We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, I want to welcome you guys to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. We've got a great episode this week. Before we begin, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like, comment, and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode is sponsored by CityVest. CityVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top-performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CityVest's easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at cityvest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. Before we begin today's content, here is a quick disclaimer. The information and material presented here is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. The content is not a recommendation to buy or to sell. Some of the content may be for credited investors only or may be sponsored posts. Every investment carries risks. Results have not been verified. So carefully weigh those risks against your investment goals and objectives and see if acting on the information matches with your investment thesis. Do your due diligence prior to investing. And as always, do not invest more than you can afford to lose. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, financial, time, location, emotional freedom. And my mission is to spread good content and information from people that are doing a wide variety of things, very innovative things on the cutting edge and bringing that information to you so that you can become empowered on your own 
freedom journey. So today we have a really interesting guest. Um, his name is Amir Noor from uh, he's based out of New York, and he's actually a certified financial planner. And he's actually quite interesting in his approach, which we we're talking backstage, but um, I will bring him onto the show and let him introduce himself. So Amir, welcome. Hey, Chris, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, you have a really interesting approach and, uh, you know, we're talking backstage and tell people, you know, more about you, how you, you know, your background, your upbringing and how you got into doing what you're doing today. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I've been in the industry for over a decade now and uh, my I am a Pakistani American immigrant. Right. So I'm first generation. I was born here uh, and my parents are immigrants from Pakistan. So my father was always an entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur because of that. Um, and uh, there's a lot of that, like, you know, pick yourself up from your bootstraps kind of culture when you're the son of an immigrant. And, uh, you know, I find that that's true for a lot of physicians as well. A lot of physicians that I meet are immigrants themselves. Uh, and oftentimes, I don't even know if they wanted to be a doctor. They just know <laughs> that if they weren't a doctor, they'd be an abject failure to their family, uh, which me, despite being a financial advisor, I am also an abject failure for not being a physician. Uh, so the only way I could really kind of scratch that itch is by having most of my clients be physicians. So they can tell me enough things where I can be like, well, okay, I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> no, you're actually not missing out on much. But um, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, you know, just, you know, Asian culture and heritage really espouse and really, you know, puts the doctor on the pedestal. But it's not all it's cut out to be. So um you know, uh, what, one thing was interesting was that um, you were talking about um, being a contrarian, and and, a, and I want the listeners to really hear about this because it really, you know, s will speak to a lot, lot of them. Yeah, you know, I find that, you know, if you look at the average financial advisor, and this is starting to change, but most financial advisors uh, are on the older side. So in and of itself, like the young physician who's like really hungry and trying to retire early, you're a couple generations apart from one another. So you can't have that mix. And it's a very white male dominated industry. So that pick yourself up from your bootstraps, first generation physician really has almost nothing in common with the majority of financial advisors. And what I found is that uh, myself, I find to, I find myself that I disagree a lot with those other financial advisors. I think there's a lot of things that are like a little overrated. I think there are certain things that are just a waste of money. Uh, I think there are certain things that people prioritize that you shouldn't and other things that you're not prioritizing that you should. Like, you know, a lot of financial advisors, the way that they're compensated is by the sale of a financial product. So the financial advisor is compensated for selling a mutual fund or selling an annuity or selling disability insurance. And so any of your listeners who've been in residency in the United States have seen an insurance salesman run around the hospital <laughs> uh, selling disability insurance. And like, sure, they might be giving you advice, but the end goal and the way that they're compensated is by selling you the product. Whereas, you know, a fee-only fiduciary advisor is compensated by the client. So you have to really think about like who's footing the bill. If you're paying that advisor, all right, then they're going to give you the advice. That's what you're paying for. If an insurance company is paying the advisor by way of a commission, really they're representing the insurance company. So it comes down to, you know, conflict of interest and, um, you know, really, you know, these um, what they call advisors are really salesmen and um, yeah. you know, 
So <laughs> so you have to see where they're where how they're incentivized and how they're compensated. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I think that is also true in in the physician world. Like chiropractors are compensated for how many adjustments they do. Uh, surgeons are compensated for how many surgeries they do. So the solution for the surgeon is, hey, do surgery. But the internist, that's not true, right? They're they're compensated for actually providing medical care and advice. So it's not fair to really aggressively pick on financial advisors because everyone's compensated <laughs> for having to do a thing. Um, but I think the end public doesn't know that. Like if you're talking to a surgeon, you know they're only getting paid if they do a surgery. If you're talking to a financial advisor, by definition of their title and what they're called, you're going to assume they're paid for their advice, which is just not always true. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. So um, I know a lot of, uh, you know, physicians they have uh, or, you know, high income earners, they have, um, you know, their employer sponsored 401ks and, you know, all this. Uh, what I For the listeners, tell tell them how, what, how does a 401 K work and what does it mean? Yeah, great question. So uh, usually hospitals will have a 403B, which works almost the exact same as a 401K, but the 403B is specific to typically nonprofit organizations. So hospitals typically are nonprofit organizations. If you're in private practice, you're probably not a nonprofit organization. <laughs> so then you'll probably have a 401K. Um, and in either in either case, what it is is it's actually section 401 subsection K, or in the case of the 403, section 403 subsection B of um, the Internal Revenue Code, which is like the tax laws for this country. Um, so that's all really all it is. You can look up and Google like section 401 subsection K, and you can read the law and the rule that is what the 401k is. Fundamentally, all it is is it's the style of an account that's blessed by the IRS. So like, let's say you had, I don't know, Robin Hood account or whatever, and you bought 10 shares of Apple and you bought them for five bucks. Uh, so you spent $50. And then you sold those 10 shares for, I don't know, 50 bucks a share. So then you, you know, made a 10X profit. Good for you. You turned $50 into $500. So what you did is you made $450 of profit on that sale. So the IRS is going to say, okay, well, you made money, so we need a piece of that. <laughs> it's like the mafia. That's how they yeah. work. Uh, and they're going to, you're going to pay tax. You're going to get a 1099 in the mail at, at the end of the year, and then you're going to have to pay tax on it. There's some nuance there on if it's short-term capital gains or long-term capital gains, but that's, you know, I think a little too nuanced for right now, but you're going to have to pay tax on it. Um, and also the 50 bucks that you used to buy that stock in the first place you earned from your income. So like you made a hundred grand a year, you lost 20 grand in taxes. So you only had 80 grand left. And from that 80 grand after tax income, you bought $50 of stock, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, in a 401k, there's two advantages. So one advantage is you get to put money in pre-tax. So in the example of, you know, you made a hundred grand a year, uh, if you were going to just put money into an account, you take your after-tax money net of your paycheck and then invest that way. Whereas in the 401k, you get to put money in pre-tax before it's been taxed. So if you earned hundred grand, you actually get to put in, let's say $10,000 into your 401k. The IRS is only going to assess tax on you as if you made 90. Mm -hmm. So there's immediate savings right there. So you actually get to have a little bit more to play with 
which is important from the perspective of compound interest. And then every year, as you buy and sell stock, you're not getting a 1099 in the mail. You can invest in whatever you want to invest in, but obviously there's a catch. Uh, what happens is after you attain the age of 59 and a half um, and then retire subsequently, you're no longer receiving a paycheck. So what you're doing is you've built up this nest egg and now you're going to live off of that nest egg. So instead of getting a paycheck, you're going to go to your account in your 401k and you're going to say, okay, I need 10 grand to cover the next two months of my mortgage or three months of my mortgage. Um, so when you take out that $10,000, you basically gave yourself a paycheck and then have to pay tax on that amount that you took out. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's say for argument's sake, all you had at, at ever, or all you ever put in your 401k was 10 grand. 30 years later, it's a hundred grand. You're going to pay tax on that hundred grand. But in order to do that, you did not pay tax on the 10 grand you put in. So in the back end, you pay income tax based on what you take out. So mm -hmm. there's, there's obvious pros and cons there. For the cardiologist who's making $700,000 a year, when you're retired, you're not pulling $700,000 a year out of your 401k unless you're horrible with money. <laughs> you just don't need to. That's way too much money. You're going to like pay your mortgage. You're going to go out. You're going to enjoy. You're going to travel. You're going to do the things you're going to do. But I would be shocked if you continued to spend $700,000 a year. You just don't need it, right? Maybe you need $150,000 a year to pay you know, your bills in, your, in retirement. So. From that example, that cardiologist who was making $700,000 a year in their 40s and now in their 70s is only pulling out 150 grand There's a huge difference in tax brackets. So the tax deduction on the way in is phenomenal and paying income tax on the way out is not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. For the pediatrician who makes 150 grand a year, 30 years later, accounting for inflation, maybe they need to actually continue to pull $150,000 a year out of their 401k. So their tax situation is not fundamentally different. We hope you don't mind this brief interruption from one of our affiliates. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Doc to Doc is a personal lending solution designed by doctors for doctors. We understand that doctors' financial situations change faster than an insulin drip in ketoacidosis. And we also understand that doctors are the most reliable borrowers in the world. Through our proprietary algorithm, we're able to provide personal loans at great rates with amazing flexibility because we take into account your schooling, your specialty, and where you are in the medical journey. Doctors come to us after they've matched into residency and we loan for all sorts of personal reasons, from credit card debt consolidation to family expenses and medical bills. We speak with everyone who applies for a loan and offer fixed interest rates and flexible term options without prepayment penalties. If you're a physician looking for a personal loan, fill out our application form now. It only takes three minutes, and we'll get back to you with a decision within 24 hours. One of the interesting things that, that I got really good advice when in my early 20s was, you know, because like Roth, if you're expecting to your income to go up in your later years, 
you know, start a Roth now because that way, you know, um, you know, the the money that you put in and then the the money that you take out, there's like a huge, you know, tax savings. So and that's one of the best pieces of advice I got. Um, so for some of the people um I know that are listening, what is the best financial decision someone can make and how can they get started? Um, you know, I think it's doing a financial plan, not to be self-serving about it, but like seriously do a financial plan. So if you're a dentist and your whole thing is I'm going to open a dental practice, I'm going to do it for 30 years. I'm going to sell my practice on the back end. Uh They're usually not going to get a lot of money. What is your practice worth? It's an office, which oftentimes is the guy's basement or the girl's basement and a, a chair from Henry Schein and a couple of pieces of equipment and some drills and stuff, all of those patients are probably going to go see a different dentist. So there's nothing really to sell. And dentists are notorious for this, where they're like, oh, I'm going to sell my business, but the business isn't worth anything. It's the book of patients that are just going to go see somebody else. So doing the financial plan and planning that out up front really helps you think about, okay, what do I need to save? What kind of nest egg do I need to retire instead of relying on selling this practice? And you do that by leveraging a professional, uh, whether that's a business consultant, a financial advisor, a lawyer. Uh, just because you're a good physician doesn't mean you're a good business owner. It's a separate skill set. Yeah, I tell I tell um, a lot of my clients, you know, you know, you can become the be you can be the best doctor, but you know, you can be really poor just because you're not not good and savvy with money. So absolutely, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it's not that you can't learn it. You just I find that a lot of physicians have a lot of arrogance about being a business owner. Yeah. Like, yeah, I went through medical school. I can figure this out. Yeah, but you still had to do the work and study it. You're not just going to, you know, intuitively know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, what's what's really interesting is that um, you, like we were talking about, you were um, contrarian. And what's interesting is you chose to work with, um, you know, the middle middle class families, you know, as opposed to the wealthy elites. Um, you know, helping, you know, the people, you know, get financially literate education so that they can become financially free, you know, equal access. Um, you know, what's interesting is that you boil it down to a couple different concepts. So, so for example, um, you know, uh, how calendars can keep you poor, talking about weekly paychecks, monthly budgets, annual taxes, tell, tell the listeners, because I, I want to he- them to hear this, this opposite view. Yeah, yeah. I actually just wrote an article about this. I've coined the term now. Uh, so this is the first time uh, anyone's going to hear it. Uh, and it's called the phantom month. And I think that's the thing that really kind of keeps middle class families broke. And, and the reason for that is anytime anyone tries to take their money seriously, they'll sit down, they'll do a budget. And if you use some kind of budget app or worksheet or whatever it is, it'll have you list out your monthly expenses. Uh, which makes sense because you pay your rent monthly and your mortgage monthly and your student loan comes in monthly. Like a lot of bills are monthly, um, but you don't live monthly. You live daily. And that I think that's the thing that really trips people up because you go to the grocery store maybe you know every weekend. Uh, and if you're a physician, maybe your weekend is on a Tuesday and you're on call. And that's <laughs> your, your only time to go to the grocery store. So you, know, you, you do that, but you're going to go every week because you have to eat every day. And when you're filling out that worksheet, you're like, okay, I spend $120 a week at Whole Foods. So I'm just going to multiply that by four to make it monthly and fill it out on this worksheet. So you'll write down $480. But that's not true. 
it's an inaccurate representation of how you're spending your money. Because if every month had four weeks in it, 12 months in a year times four weeks in a month would be 48 weeks. Everyone knows there's not 48 weeks in a year. There's 52 weeks in a year. So there's four weeks that are totally unaccounted for when you do that. And that's what I call the phantom month. It's this whole extra month of expenses that when you do that, you have not accounted for. And now you're over budget because some months have 31 days. So that's three extra days of eating and gas and electric and utility use and tolls that you did not account for. And that's the thing that really prevents middle-class families from saving. That's really interesting. So, um, yeah, that's, I actually never thought about that concept. So, you know, um, and then you also talk about, for example, um, avocado toast and the rise and fall of real estate. What What is that? This sounds very interesting. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's uh, that article that I think everyone is, it's become now popular culture, right? To talk about uh, avocado toast being the reason that people can't buy real estate. And in that weekly budget, um, you know, people will really kick themselves for going to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or getting avocado toast. And when usually when you multiply that out, it doesn't actually add up to a lot. That's not the reason you're broke. It's it's that not accounting for that entire 13 month of expenses uh, on an annual basis. And that part is where it adds up. Uh, it's usually other things. It's usually just like a misprioritization uh, of of your dollars. So in that in that regard, you can usually figure out, oh wow, I didn't realize I'm spending X number of dollars on multiple different services that do the same thing because I didn't cancel the old one. And there's just lost dollars there. So as an example, I'll just do it right now really quick. I'll pull up a calculator. So if you have, I don't know, you spend $7 a day at Starbucks times five days a week times 52 years, that only adds up to 1800 bucks a year. Usually not a huge deal. Um, and people will really kick themselves and limit themselves and sacrifice to not do that, but won't do the extra work to maybe refinance their student loan or look into appropriate payback structures that could be costing them tens of thousands of dollars in interest. Or they're not going to get the oil change on their car and kicking the can down the road, and then they have a $5,000 expense down the road. Those are the things on an annual basis that really kind of kill your budget. Similarly with real estate, I think there's a big push uh, for everyone to always want to own real estate. And for some people that's overrated. If you're a physician and you're doing locum tenens, why would you buy real estate? You're going all over the country all the time. It doesn't make sense. And so to have that societal or familial pressure on you that you're a loser if you don't own real estate, it's just not true. It's probably cheaper for you in that example to, to just rent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really interesting, you know, just uh, just the paradigm shifts, you know, with the you know society and culture, and you know a lot of a lot of like millennials and Gen Z, they don't they don't want to own real estate just because the big hassle, and they you know they can, you know they can own stocks and you know they do syndications and you know gives them more time and freedom and uh, so that's that's really interesting, and um, what what do you mean by um? pizza why chicago is a liar that's that's interesting too it's not pizza it's a casserole i will die on this hill <laughs> i am a born and bred new yorker chicago does not have pizza they have a casserole that masquerades as pizza they can go to hell uh -huh. 
So, so uh, yeah, that's so. What is the best pizza in New York City? Oh, definitely Lucali in Brooklyn. Lucali. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. Oh, I I heard uh, Brooklyn is actually really booming. Like a lot of creatives there. It's like a huge Bohemian culture, and I think it was a Red Hook. Red Hook. That's like that area. Yeah. Is really, yeah. Yeah. A lot of those people are, you know, leaving and going to Austin, Texas. So they're going over by you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Austin is a fantastic city. So. Um, yeah, well, Amir, it's been a fantastic um, conversation, and I, I really like, you know, I like how you boil down uh, concepts, and you take a contrarian approach, and you, you know, focus on a specific niche, and then you talk about it in terms of um, these big concepts, so I know a lot of people are, you know, interested in maybe contacting you, and a lot of my physician friends, um, they would resonate with your story, so how can they contact you, and get hold of you, and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to amirnor.com. So it's my, just my name.com, A-M-I-R-N-O-O-R.com. Uh, there you can read more about me. There's a bio. Uh, there's a link to get right on my calendar and schedule a complimentary consultation, uh, You know, book a Zoom meeting, whatever it is. I have a life philosophy that everyone is worth a cup of coffee. So if I'm not a good fit for you, that's fine. I'm not going to be offended that you took an hour out of my day. Uh, and I'll point you in a different direction if that's what's best for you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, we thank so much for coming onto the show and we look forward to hearing about your future success. Yeah, thanks so much. Stay in touch. What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember, as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, CityVest.com. CityVest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at cityvest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget, that's just the free content. We also have paid premium content subscription with better guests, information, updates, and discussions that can't be accessed anywhere else. You can subscribe to our premium content by clicking on the link in the show notes below to subscribe. Just a quick note, members who sign up for the bottom floor price introductory the first year will be grandfathered into that price for life. I expect the monthly subscription amount to increase quickly next year and the year after, so don't delay. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrislewmdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.